Yes, coming in hot with episode 48 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who has a, a similar first touch to Wilfred Ndidi, Jobber. Mm. How are you, mate? Yeah, I, I'm great. So um, apologies to everyone listening for the delay in the podcast. I've actually just woken up. Um, I went into a stupor after Monday morning's um, exploits after an Anthony Martial goes down the box, plays the game of his life, and then a Luke Shaw stunner. So honestly, the, my whole world's been a blur since Sunday. Um, how are you? Well, yeah, man, I'm good, um, and it's good to have you back um, conscious and, and with us. So with that, let's get into flavour of the pod. So um, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to tackle the EPL bit of a review and should Klopp be replaced by Stevie G. Ndidi's first touch, as I said off the top, is Son being left out of a bromance at Spurs. We're into the Champions League and then we have to uh, have to um, sort of cover our director of cleaning, Don Juan's multi at the end. So um, all that to come, but uh, what is the opening question? He won't be the director by the time the show ends. All right, so the opening question this week. So Ollie has done it over Pep again. I don't know if you've had your head in the sand all week, but you'll know Manchester United beat Manchester City ended another undefeated run. So what? We'll cover it. Um, so the question is, will Pep be considered one of the all-time greats until he can improve his record against the former mould manager and the man who also got Cardiff City relegated? Um, I don't think that's going to have a big bearing on Pep's legacy at Man City with all of those trophies, and especially if he does the quadruple this year. But it is a bit of a odd odd stat coming through, isn't it? Don't you think? Like, it's ridiculous. There's something know, like um, out it, of all the managers it? that Pep's played um, or coached, managed against in his career, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is like the only one who has a, a positive record over him, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. So who did you play last week and you couldn't break him down? Palace, was it? Oh, that's a good side, but um, so you couldn't break them down, um, and Ollie doesn't have any ideas to be able to break them down. Um, Palace away last week, but um, for some reason he's got the the anecdote to um, to Pep. So I, I, it's probably got more to do with um, being a Manchester derby and those those derbies fl- flowing up odd results more so than Ollie's like genius tactical battle against Pep. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And obviously Pep, as you said, he's going to go down as one of the greats. He's done wonderful things, but it's just a most peculiar scenario that he can't get it over a pretty average Manchester United team. They Honestly, they grow a leg in those derbies for some reason. Um, and I've no, seen it ourselves firsthand. No, it is it is fun to see, actually, that um, the one team that he wants to get that win over and dominate, um, he can't do. So, um, yeah, interesting. Well, it's, gonna, it's been a massive week. So that obviously took up a bit of time. But the biggest story this week, there's been so much in the news about Harry. Um, obviously, that big interview, of course. I mean, Harry Kuehl getting sacked from Oldham Athletic. Um, they also sacked Paul Scholes. What did you make of this? And is Harry done in the lower leagues of England? And is he going to have to move with his wife to America to get away from it all? Oh, I didn't know his wife moved to America, but there you go. Um, yeah, well, he was at was he at Wofford, I think, when they or maybe their their reserve team or something like that for a while, and he got moved on from there. But I don't know he, he has been around a lot, um, and it'd be nice to see him sort of stick with the team and get a run in. But Oldham were fast to pull the trigger here too. I don't think he was in charge for very long at all. No, well, his predecessor, Paul Scholes, was only in charge for 31 days. Um, so don't get too caught up in time months. But he's, he's taken on some pretty tough jobs. He was obviously at Watford with the youth team, Crawley Town, Notts County and Oldham Athletic. So like Oldham Athletic and Notts County, like very historically big clubs, but they're both clubs that are like they've got problems right now. Um, so he seems to be taking on really bad jobs. Yeah, he should get hold of Stevie G's agent and work out um, who to take over because that is looking more and more like a masterstroke. Mm, the Celtic job's available, so who knows. All right, so the other one was um, Jürgi Lowe. So one of your favourites um, is stepping down as the Germany boss. So Jürgi Lowe is the longest-serving coach of the national team. He's been charged for 189 games. But what sticks out for me, um, more so than winning the 2014 World Cup, is have you seen the meme of him sticking his hand down his pants and smelling it? Mate, we're trying to keep the podcast above the belt and you've just uh, gone straight below it. But that's obviously his highlight of his career. Um, <laughs> aside, from, aside from the help of a record he's got in big tourneys, he, he always seems to go semi-final or final. So, yeah, interesting that he announces it before the Euros, don't you think? Like normally they yeah. do it at the end. Yeah. Well, he's trying to give himself a bit of a swan song there, is he? Maybe pet the boys up a bit. Yeah, so so like this is all very interesting. I think we can touch on this later as to who potentially may replace him. There might be 
might be a hint in the show notes. Um, but the next one is Stevie G's Rangers. Won the title without losing a game. Now, one of our one of our loyal listeners called this at the start of the year. Like, would, did, what do you think of this? Well, well uh, obviously, there was a, a huge gap between the two teams and I think they've um, more than closed that gap. And to win, win this without um, losing a game is uh, a bit of a... Like on a bit of a shock, really, isn't it? And I think it, what Stevie G is doing a little bit different is um, he's trying to go as far as he can in uh, the Europa as well. Like he's he's sort of saying, yeah, it's good to win that, but we had, you know our work isn't done and we're ready to go to go again in the Europa. So potentially more glory to come for Stevie G. Um, what did you make of the fans celebrating out <laughs> front of the uh, of the stadium and uh, congregating? Um, all of which they should not be doing. Have you ever been to Glasgow? Uh, no, I haven't. And, uh, yeah, do yourself a favour. It's um, it's a funny old place. It is very rough, and it does not surprise me at all that the fans are out in the streets. Like they're they're not the type of people who would be, you know, too concerned about COVID restrictions. I don't think. But nonetheless, great achievement from Rangers. They only copped nine goals in thirty-two games, so. Pretty incredible record. As Dom suggests, they could turn it around. We said they closed the gap. We didn't think they'd open one up this big. But um, Yeah, crazy. Who knows? There might be a job for Stevie down the line somewhere else, but I don't want to give away too much. Let's get into it. So we've got the EPL preview, uh, review Sorry, brought to you by Amex. Yeah, good friends at Amex and some uh, juicy deals in the show notes for everyone too. Let's get into it. So Burnley won, Arsenal won. What did you make this one? So there's, there's a couple of talking points in this game, aren't there? Yeah, well, the goals are obviously the talking points. Firstly, how is the Burnley defending on um, Aubameyang's goal? He's yeah. drifting. He's starting out on the left, drifting in onto his right foot. What's the one thing he probably shouldn't do? <laughs> show him on the inside. Show him on the inside, and Aubameyang says, "Okay, I'll go on the inside." And then, yeah, pulls a shot. What near post? What do you think keeper could have done better? I always feel like keeper should do better than near post. Like, yeah, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. Aubameyang coming in there is quite good too, but. Um, yeah, it's, I think the defending needs has more to answer than I think it's Nick Pope in goals there. But just cuts across and then straight away, hard towards the bottom left corner. Pope got a hand to it but couldn't keep it out. So yeah, Arsenal's a, bit of a chocolate wrist, bit of a chocolate wrist there and um, Pope trying to do himself out of a, um, a Euros jersey for England too. Yeah, mate, he's nowhere near Dan Henderson sniffing around. All right, so then like Arsenal, Arsenal actually played quite well after that, didn't they? Like Saka and Aubameyang moving up well. There's a nice little one-two in there. Um, Odegaard had a good chance. But but Arsenal did their best to Arsenal it up, didn't they? Oh, let me guess. You were telling him, hoof it, just hoof it. <laughs> That's what you want him to do. <laughs> What's he doing back there, Shaka? No, that I I completely disagree. I think that is the right pass and the pass that they've made ten other times during that game. Um, but he's probably just got to either go actually go over the top, which is what he was trying to do, um, or play it in front of um, was it Chambers? I think um, to yeah. to to run onto it. That's what he had to do. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, like you can't sit there and say hoof it, hoof it, hoof it. Like since when have Arsenal ever played like that? Um, and then the one time it doesn't work, you can't just say, oh, chuck out the whole philosophy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing pass. I'd like to see. Um, but that's going to happen. Like you can't ask them to play out the back and then get angry when they um, are going to concede, you know, mm-hmm. goals. If you say we, we play out from the back, um, and this is how we play, that's going to happen a handful of times during the season. Simple. Yeah, and look, I just don't think they can afford that to happen for them right now. Like, they're not good enough up top to for these to things do. to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, that, I let's, suppose... Let's do the handballs. Yeah, outside of that, I thought Arsenal played pretty well. Um, not great, but had chances, and that was a horrible mistake. But there was one last moment, and I'm just going to throw my hand up right now, similar to the way Eric Peters does, and just say, I don't know what a handball is anymore. So for, we had this in our group chat, didn't we? So um, who it was Pepe trying to sort of get past um, Peters uh, earlier on and what looked like where he sort of had his arm out and it stopped the momentum of Pepe um, trying to get past him. And I was like, that's hit his hand. It's obviously hit his hand. Everyone's seen it's hit his hand, but for some reason not a penalty. And I definitely thought that was. Then the other one is the shot that's going on target and he shoulders it 
Yeah. Um, that is called a penalty. He gets a red card, <laughs> goes to VAR. VAR say, no, it was off his shoulder, reverses the red card and reverses the penalty decision and he stays on the pitch. So, yeah, a non-handball given handball and a handball <laughs> given as a non-handball. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think we got there in the end. But the, the first one, like as a obviously I'm not an Arsenal fan, but that genuinely made my blood boil. Like I, ju- I just couldn't get my head around it. Like, I, th- I thought that was cut and dry, like penalty. But no doubt in my mind. Just when um, you think you're getting your head around it too. Yeah, and it's just absolutely comical. Um, I, I just don't know what to say anymore about this. Like, it's just so confusing. And Yeah, they really have done a job on Arsenal here, I think. Yeah, well, a big point for Burnley. So Burnley go into, or sorry, stay in uh, 15th and they are on 30 points. So just edging away from uh, the bottom and just keeping up, um, you know, points here and there, which is good for them. I think that's probably all they need to do. They're very unlikely to go down given the the amount of teams that are under them. I appreciate that points-wise they're rather close, but it's unlikely that all of those teams will start picking up points and they'll end up there. So. I think a good enough result for Burnley and a more of a that'll do type attitude. Whereas Arsenal, that's a real opportunity missed. Another another draw and they are stuck in 10th now, aren't they? Yeah, disappointing for them. All right, so look, let's move on to what was highlighted as a fixture not to watch and it basically came together. Sheffield United nil, Southampton 2. I don't really have any comments on the game. Ward Prowse penalty, fair enough. Um you got anything to add or just I think we can flick over this one? Yeah, the um, Walprouse pen he gets a mensch and um, I also wanted to mention Che Adams' uh, volley. Um, yeah. Went to the roof of the net. But, uh, yeah, as you say, Sheffield United um, rubbish and going down and sort of one that we really expected and no, nothing real great coming from this game. So, yeah, I'll probably agree with you on that. Yeah, um, not much there. So, well, let's move on to the next one. Aston Villa nil, Wolves nil. Again, pretty disappointing fixture. Two teams that promise so much and are probably delivering so little um, right now. What do you think? Yeah, like, well, the similar thing where I thought this one could have been um, a, a fixture to look forward to, but yeah, it just sort of fizzed out um, and really a, a nothing result for each of the teams. And, and both of these teams are sort of now as the game sort of tick away, sort of stuck in that mid-table space where, you know, too high up to get dragged into any sort of relegation battle and just nowhere near any Europa League spots. So really just putting along um, in that mid-table, Villa, ninth, Wolves, 12th. Yeah, very pretty disappointing game. So the next one was one that really, really made my blood boil. So I said Brighton would win this game and then they had the audacity to do everything in their power to not win this game. Brighton won, so, Leicester two. Let's talk about chocolate Riz Sanchez. Oh, so, oh, funny you say that. I got down here, um, Brighton snatching defeat from the jaws of victory was one of my notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, look, Brighton started um, rather brightly. So you had the uh, Lalana goal initially, Fafana just, just losing him if he runs off the shoulder. And then like a couple of minutes after, so that was 10 minutes in, and then a couple of minutes after that, um, Brighton scored pretty much the exact same goal, um, but this time Lalana flicked it through for Mope, um, and nice finish by Mope, but um, caught offside. So two very similar goals in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, both Fafana charged now the line. I think both times I felt like he was caught out in that situation, but he has been out for quite a while too, so give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, give benefit of the doubt. I think he was um, he was rushed back because of Evans going out last week. As you say, he's missed a bunch of games, and I think ideally you wouldn't bring him back so fast, but Leicester have no other options than to, to sort of rush him back. So, yeah, I suppose he got away with one really, didn't he? He did, yeah. So then second half starts, um, and then Ian Acho in the goals. So I know. a couple of things about this one. So what did you make of, first of all, Tielemans pass was a beauty, but like the overall thing is how did Lewis – don't get himself to where he was to make such a meal of it. Well, I think it, what it is is it is um, Tillman's eyes. So Tillman sort of opened his body to play one out wide and I think Dunk's like, oh, I can read that, I can see that. Um, and then Tillman sort of does this look away pass and closes his body late doors and slips it past on the inside of Dunk. 
um, which done him. So, yeah, an, an unbelievable pass and, yeah, I encourage you to go back and watch that and just watch Tilly's eyes and, and Dunk go for, you know, drift out of line and go for it. Um, and then he closes his body last and slips in and through. Just before that, um, Tilly just gave away like six balls in a row and I was sitting at home cursing how, how bad he was playing. And then, yeah, then he... Yeah, plays the pass of the game. But even on Ianacho's finish, like my problem with Ianacho is he's so indecisive and takes so long to make a decision. Even on the goal, he was like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? The chance is almost going and then he dinks it into the top corner. So He was so ice cold about that finish, but I was sitting at home being like, he's going to miss this. He's taking too long. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I'm like, he's too calm for this. To almost to the point where he's like ignorant to about what's around him and how close the chance was to being um, taken away from him. So then a couple of more moments in this. So Adam Lallana has a good chance. Um, but then Jamie Vardy penalty shout. Do you think that was that's a pen? That's a pen. That's mm. a pen, isn't it? Mm. Just, yeah. Confusing. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where they've called. So that went to VAR, didn't it? So given not a pen and then went to VAR, I think VAR stuck with the referee's decision. But... I mean, not a lot of ball there for me, and um, he took Buddy out. Yeah, I felt like they were sort of um, finding solace in the fact that he touched the ball after. But by the time he touched the ball, I felt like he'd already fouled Vardy. Yeah. Was that Dan Byrne or Dunk? That uh, was, it was Dunk. He was having an dunk. absolute yeah. horror show, Lewis Dunk. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, let, let's talk about the, the winner mm. from uh, Marte and uh, what is Sanchez doing and what is he waving at? Oh, oh bloody cat flaps, eh? <laughs> what is he going? What's going? On? I shouldn't. I just. I can't imagine a circumstance where a goalkeeper comes out and gets nothing on the ball at all. Like, yeah. a professional goalkeeper who's replaced the great Matt Ryan shouldn't make that big of a mistake to miss the ball completely. Ah, terrible. But even like, even if he got hold of it, um, it wasn't going anywhere because he, he was like <laughs> flapping at it. He's not punch. It's not as if he went for a big punch and missed the punch. He like flapped at it. So even if he gets full contact, it only drops like two yards in front of him anyway. So yeah, very strange decision. But um, Amate's concentration, I thought, was rather impressive because if that ball's coming over and the keeper's coming out to to punch it, you assume that he's going to punch it. And to, yeah, keep his concentration and, and follow that down and assume he's going to miss it and a nice little guided header in for the winner. Um, yeah, I think says a lot for his concentration. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. If you were to tell me that um, Leicester win this game, Ian Nacho score and Amate gets the, the winner, <laughs> you'd be rather shocked, I think. So a great result for Leicester. And as we said off the top, Brighton snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So a couple of things I want to bring up on this. So obviously Leicester um, went to second temporarily but sit in third. So they're like holding Chelsea firm right now and like tracking match is not hard. Brighton really missed a beat here and they're on 26 points level with Fulham in 18th. So they like three goals is all that separates them right now. And the other thing that on top of that is Brighton have dropped 17 points from winning positions in the Premier League this season. Only Southampton have dropped more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brighton. Seventeen points, like that's like that puts them. Just for context, that puts them level with Liverpool if they get all those points. Yeah, Brighton are in a horrendous run of form. They are second last on the form table um, at the moment. So, yeah, it doesn't look good for them. Yeah, they they want to play good football, and like they do, and they're good to watch. But they really seem to have a soft underbelly, and it doesn't look promising. Like that's not what you want to see going into a relegation battle. Yeah, they're struggling, and as you say, they're right in it. The results around them didn't help them either. I think Newcastle picking up a point, um, and we'll get to Fulham's uh, victory soon. So, yeah, a bad weekend for Brighton. As I said, their performance was good enough to take some points, and they didn't, and everyone around them picked up some points, Burnley included, Southampton, um, Newcastle, and Fulham. So, yeah, woof, tough, tough week for Brighton fans. All right, so quickly move on through this one. So West Brom nil, Newcastle nil, two teams that were deathly afraid of losing the game. Um, anything to add to this one? Oh, no, nothing about the fixture, more about the outcome. It's sort of, it doesn't really do a lot for, for West Brom. Um, that was one that they'd probably look at going, geez, can we get three points here? Like Newcastle's someone we can uh, potentially track down and, and overtake if, if we pick our, um, our results up. So... Mm. Yeah, and they need to win, right? So, And they're at home, so you'd think that this is one that they pencil in to have a real go at. Um, and, yeah, the draw doesn't really do a lot for them. It probably hurts more than anything else. But Newcastle, it's probably, yeah, a better result for them, I think, in the context of this. I think if they just keep chipping away and picking up points here and there, 
I think, yeah, they'll just survive if they keep going the way they're yeah, going. Yeah, so there was sufficient intrigue um, in this game for me to actually watch it. And to be honest, I can't remember a chance in the last 30 minutes of the game, which is weird yeah, considering I- they both sort of need to win to get the points. Like, I went straight to the mini match for for this one, um, and for everyone in Australia, you will understand what that is. For those overseas, we get these little um, condensed twenty five minute matches um, with the off the sport pack. So yeah, there you go. All right, so that one doesn't really do them any favors. Newcastle um, they stayed in sixteenth, and West Brom nineteenth, eight points behind Fulham. It's it's very tough for them from now. Newcastle are right in the midst of a battle. Yep. Um, so. So it was a good weekend for Fulham won, Liverpool nil. That's six home losses in a row for Liverpool. Um, I genuinely felt like Fulham deserved to win this game. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the six home losses are like obviously very, very shocking considering um, that that's never, ever happened before in Liverpool's history. So that's shocking in itself. But just the what priests what came before the um, all of those losses was like an unbelievable home run. So I think that just makes it even more crazy. But, yeah, the the, the, the show continues for um, Liverpool at home. But, yeah, I agree with you. Everyone's in danger of talking about um, how bad Liverpool were, but I think it's it's probably slightly more of a reflection on, on Fulham. Having said that, mm, look at the home form of Liverpool more recently. But since um, Match has come into the team, gee, he's done quite well. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's been good. Um, he has they they just toiled away there. I think Liverpool, like obviously, had the quality second half, like they were fairly dominant. But you couldn't begrudge Fulham picking up the points here. They just did better with the chances. Jota forced a good save out of Ariola in the second half. Wow. Mane hit the crossbar. What a volley that was! Yeah, it was good to see Jota oh. back. Mane strikes the crossbar, and then Nico Williams had a good chance as well. But like, I don't know, they're not um, like they put a lot of pressure on them, but it just just doesn't say, have that same cutting edge that Liverpool had last year, does it? Yeah. Um, it's nice to see um, Jakiri pull the boots on and, and get a start. Interesting, Klopp made a lot of changes and rotated here. Like if you were to sort of write down their full-strength team, um, not sorry, not their full-strength team. Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, their full-strength team, um, given the injuries that they've got at the moment, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you'd pick this team. I mean, Reese Williams and Nathaniel Phillips in the middle, um, and then yeah, Nico Williams on on the on down the sides as well. Like where's Trent? I think he got rotated because of uh, too much game time. So yeah, an, an odd team for uh, Coppo to pick. Allison up at the, um, pushed out all the way up at the end to try and get a winner, which is always nice to see the, the keeper in the. <laughs> Um, but what, let, let's do the goal. So um, clearance is sort of Mo Salah on the top of the box, and he's tried to get his body in and and, and protect it. And it, yeah, just got got pinched by um, Lamina and uh, smashed home. Nice little volley. Great strike, I thought. It was a really it's good strike. A bit, a bit, yeah. bit disappointing from Salah. I thought he wasn't quite um, aware enough of his surroundings for he's trying to do. And then Lamina just lashed it home. There was nothing um, Allison could do about that. Great finish. So, like, like if we talk about Liverpool sort of looking forward, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think, should they do something similar to what um, Oli did at Manchester United and what Pep did at Man City? Sort of Spend a shitload result- of cash? No. Well, when, awesome. Yeah, well, that too. Um, they, will, they will be doing that. But, um, yeah, when results sort of went against Pep, um, he's probably the best example when results weren't going for him at the start. He sort of just took a step back and going, well, we can't press all the way up because we keep conceding these goals. The, the Leicester and the um, Leeds results come to mind. Um, so he just really tightened things up at the back. He sort of settled his back four and started picking consistent back fours. I know that's tough at Liverpool. Um, didn't play as high, played a deeper line so you're not to concede goals and then sort of built some momentum um, based on on a, a good defence and then look where they are now. And mm. I, I think if you look at Oli, what he did at um, United, I think he did something similar where he said, oh, look, I'm going to play a four and as tempting as it is to play um, a one and a two in the, in my midfield, I'm just going to I'm going to pick two holding um, midfielders to screen that back four the whole time as well. And that got some noses out of joint with like people wanting to see um, Pogba and uh, Fernandez play together a lot. But he stuck to it and, and played sort of that base six. 
And and then look how good Manchester United's um, defensive record is now. And then based on that, they can sort of propel forward. So I think what I see Liverpool doing is just trying to play this crazy high line and this high pressing game without sort of the squad and the confidence to do it right now. And yeah. it just seems to be pulling them apart. So I'd like to see Klopp just go, well, this isn't working based on, I know I've got this philosophy and that's how I always play, but um, I don't have the cattle to do it at the moment. And players don't probably don't have the confidence to do it at the moment. So should I take a step back, play a deeper line, lock up the defence and then, you know, go forward from there? Because the other problem is they're playing on the front foot but still not scoring goals. Yeah. And I, I like I think it's a difficult scenario because he's, he is missing quite a number of players, but these are like very important individuals like Virgil van Dijk. You, you can't replace Virgil van Dijk. You can bring someone in, but they're never going to replace him. And then he's tried to like plug holes. But um, what I do like about what Klopp is doing is he, you can see he's trying. He is trying to change things, but he does have that like philosophical standpoint where it always has to be that heavy metal football. Like he rung in the changes this week. So he's like, I have changed something. He pulled Salah last week. Like he's not afraid to make decisions, but I don't know if he can move from that philosophical standpoint. Um, I, I just can't see him doing it. Like I think he's going to keep going with heavy metal. He might change the personnel, but I just don't think he'll change that playing style. Yeah, well, if he doesn't change the playing style, um, one or two things are going to happen. Um, he's going to run them all the way down um, and they're going to drop so far that the board might say, oh, yeah, Klopp, as good as you have been, we can't we can't finish 10th or 11th. Mm. Um, if things keep going the way they're going. Um, or um, players will start to come back soon and he can go back to that style and results will turn. So there's only two real roads. Would you, would you cash in on one of those um, big assets like Mane or Salah in the summer? Yeah, well, a lot of people have talked about that, about the this three-year cycle type thing where you can't play together for too much longer because, you know, you need someone fresh to come in. So, yeah, I know that's topical at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, and it looks like there's proof in that. Um, you look at the the Barcelona, um, what, what they did um, and what Manchester United have done, probably, sorry, pre-Barcelona times as well where they changed it a lot. So, yeah, I'll probably buy into that. But I suppose the big question is if you do it, which one do you pull the trigger on? Salah, no doubt. It's just, just body biggest... language, body language, everything else. Like I think Mane is more important, even though Salah yeah. is more awesome. I think you might get more dollars out of um, Salah as well. Mm. All right. So, look, Liverpool um, stay in A, three points above Villa, two points behind Tottenham. Fulham, that was a massive result for them. So they go level with Brighton. They're now, as I said, three goals behind, one point behind Newcastle, four points behind Burnley. They are within striking distance. Scotty Parker has got the boys absolutely purring. And I told you this had happened too. Yeah, eight, eight points in the last five games too. And so that is not um, relegation form. So, yeah, if they keep going the way they're going, they should be able to track down, um, yeah, one of those like either Newcastle or Brighton, I would think. Yeah. All right. So the whole podcast has led us to this moment. Actually, no, the whole the whole series of podcasts has led us to this moment. So Manchester City at the City of Manchester Stadium, nil, coming off a, a above 20 undefeated run. Manchester United, two. What do you have to say about this game? Like just an unbelievably disciplined performance from Manchester United. Yeah, and that probably just speaks to the point I just made about how Ollie's sort of really tightened things up. Um, they've got one of the defense, best defences in the record. Sorry, best defensive records in the league. Um, but, I mean, they did get a nice head start, didn't they, with um, Jesus' decision-making on whether he should <laughs> or not. Any so, complaints about that? No, nah, that's a pen, that's, I think. That is, um, that's such that's a it. stupid challenge in the 40. Like, there's a really good photo where there's actually six Manchester City players around Anthony Martial and then Jesus just comes in and like, because he lost the ball and tries to like side yeah. him down. Just such a good start. Such a weird decision. Like I know you've lost the ball, but as you say, that like the, the back four had the um, – had the situation in hand. It's not as if they were exposed or anything like that. So, yeah, a very odd decision. And I think that was the fastest goal Man City has ever conceded at home too, 33 seconds, really? I think. Yep. Wow. Um, so after that, uh, Manchester City obviously had, you know, significant amounts of the ball, but Manchester are very disciplined in defence. And I know people are, like, critical of the style saying sit back, sit back, but teams have tried to sit back against Manchester City and they've gotten absolutely pulverised. Um, but Manchester United, like, I, I 
obviously I'm quite biased. I never felt like there was a really significant threat in that first half of Manchester City. Like they had a lot of the ball. They always looked good, but there was never that significant threat that they bring. Um, and I think that was just down to the, the performance of Manchester United. Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. What what I would have liked to have seen is what like what I'm seeing from um, Man City is when things don't go well, they're just so all the players are just so plugged into the system and just playing their role within that system that when the system is breaking down because of a tactic or because of a style of play um, that you know Manchester United are sitting back and hurting hurting them on the counter. There's no, there's no leader or there's no player or there's no situation out there where someone says, hey, this is not working, let's change it. They just say, they just stay plugged into the system, um, plugged into the philosophy and just keep doing the same thing over and over because oh, I probably agree with you. Like, for what, like how many chances did they really create? Not that Manchester United created a lot, but Manchester United, you know, when they went forward, looked dangerous. When Manchester City went forward, they just looked like they, as you say, we weren't really going to hurt you at all. There was a there was a couple of like like halfish to three quarter chances almost like where I think Jesus almost got on the end of a Sterling cross. Gundogan had got in a nice bit of space, but his shot was quite poor. Um, but Manchester City, like yeah, they just they just weren't quite able to create that clear chance that they normally get. You know, it's the cutback or something like that. Uh, Manchester United did really well to quell that threat. I think a lot of that had to do with um, the performance of Luke Shaw and Wamasaka. So Wamasaka has a great record against Raheem Sterling. I don't think Raheem Sterling's ever scored against Manchester United. Well, he missed an absolute howler. Like mm-hmm. that cross that come in and what is he's inside the six-yard box and goes with his right foot. Like again, I hate to pick on him, but he's finishing. Like that's the only thing separating him from being, you know, good to great, I think. So then we go into the second half, and again, great start for Manchester United. So Luke Shaw has been heavily criticised, um, like for his weight, for his performances. Jose Mourinho really hated him. Um, but he intercepts pass from probably one of the players of the season in Cancelo, gets across him and just keeps going, um, gets into the box, Rashford lays it back, and then he just sneaks one in, and Manchester United up 2 0. Yeah, went through legs. I mean, not a lot Edison could do. He was sighted late and it's so close that, yeah, he's not really going to have a chance once it goes through, pops through the other side on um, on that. But, yeah, a great decision from um, Henderson to throw it out there and Luke Shaw had a nice first touch um, to take him into a, a good area and then that sort of broke the first press where um, City were exposed. And and that's, that's the thing with City. If you break that first press, they are rather open. So um, Kevin De Bruyne looked like he was on a treadmill trying to track Luke Shaw down. Um, I, I, like I thought Luke Shaw did well this game and I thought he's done well all season. But, I mean, can we all just calm down on, on how, <laughs> how great Luke Shaw is? Like at the end of the day, he, he did he played well in this game. But he, to be fair to him, he's played well all season. It's yeah. just because he scored a goal that everyone's telling me how great he is and that he should be starting for England. Well, I think if England play a back four, yes, at this stage he'll probably start in a back four. But if England play a back three, I'm not sure he's going to be starting. No, no, like I don't disagree. I think I think he's been a really solid contributor for Manchester United probably over the last eighteen months. Even like I, I've said previously on the pod, I think his performances have been good. Um, I think having Alex Tellers there has pushed him to like not another level to say he's amazing, but like it's got even better performances out of him. Um, he's doing well, but I would like people to settle down a little bit. Um, he hasn't answered all his critics just yet. Like he needs to be like he's coming with a lot of promise, big fee. Um, he's got a lot of work to do to keep like he's got to stay at that level. Um, scoring a goal isn't what he's paid to do, but it was nice yeah. to see. No, I thought I thought he did well. Um, Martial had a, a chance late on um, as well, didn't he? Where he could have could have buried it and made it three 0 and that would have been um, a real strong result for Manchester United. But it turns out it didn't matter much mm. in the end. Like Manchester United, as we said off the top, always match up well with Man City because Man City liked the ball and liked. Press forward. Manchester United don't like having the ball necessarily and a great on the counter attack. Some of their best performances and best results have come um, by playing that that way. The PSG game comes to mind, and this one is the most recent example of that. So, yeah, I think with those those type of things factored in, you've just got to consider what type of second Manchester United are going to finish. Hmm. Like, I, I'm pretty comfortable they are going to finish second, but there's there's sort of two ways that they could do it. They could sort of you know, just pick up enough points and sort of stumble their way to second and, and be, you know, 15 points away from Man City and there'd be a golf there. 
or they could, yeah, have a crack at them, which is they did in this game, and finish strongly and go, rule, yeah, okay, that's a step forward and, and next year we're going to go w- one more step. But I think, yeah, it's critical that they sort of work out what type of second that they, they want to finish. So you'd be the man who'd be closest to the brain of Pep Guardiola um, that we'd know. So two questions I have, is, uh, well, three actually. One is, did you expect Man City to go for it more towards the end there? Two, were you surprised Phil Foden didn't start? And three, were you surprised Sergio Aguero didn't come on, which is linked to question one? Um, so, yeah, I am surprised that they didn't go for it. Um, well, not su- surprised wouldn't be the word. I'm disappointed they didn't go for it more. But as I said, I just think they're so wedded to the system that they're like, it doesn't matter if we're 5-0 up or 5-0 down. We, this is how we play and they're going to stick to it. So, But, yeah, I appreciate that. It was a little bit disappointing and I would have liked to have seen um, Aguero, um, yeah, c- it come on and, and try and get something done for them. Um, mm. And, and he took Jesus off, at, you know what I mean? So I'm like, what's such a weird... Substitution. Yeah, bring off Bill Foden, who I thought should have started. When you, yeah, which brings me to the your second question. Well, yeah, I, like I'm sick of Pep hearing and telling me how good he is, and um, you know he's going to be great at this club forever and ever and ever. Um, and then he sits on the bench every other week. So I don't know. It just seems he looked a good bit when he came on. Phil Foden, initial, yeah. So I'm surprised Very he didn't start. But mate, yeah, obviously he's just holding him back and and trying to build his game time slowly um, rather than sort of thrown to the wolves, but. Yeah, I think for a local lad, this would have been one that he would have been dying to play in um, and he didn't get the chance. Yeah, it was a weird one to see Mara starting, and to be honest. I didn't expect that, but I think maybe that was Pep trying to be clever. Um, but it bit him on the ass. So, uh, great result for Manchester United. Great result for every run, really. Like, good result for the football league world. Um, Manchester United stay second, jump back over Leicester on 54 points, and Manchester City stay first, but that record-breaking run is over, so no one really cares anymore what they do. Um, all right, so Tottenham 4, Crystal Palace 1. This was exciting. This was very, very exciting. What did you make of this Spurs? Is, wow, that that attacking thing is coming together, isn't it? Yeah, it is coming together, and they the big three, as I like to call them, um, all started, which is nice to see. A double for Ari and a double for Bale, but also um, Son is has been a little bit more quiet. And as I said off the top, is he being left out of the bromance here between Bale and Harry? I, well, I don't think he is because he got an uh, he got an assist for Harry Kane's goals, didn't he? And then that they're now the greatest combination in Premier League history. Um, I don't think that Gareth coming in and his little bromance with Harry has to be the end of. Harry and Son either. I, I was just so happy to see them all playing together. Yeah, was, it was nice to see. I think it's it's kind of like the the Liverpool front three where um, like they all work well together and they've all got different attributes, which means that they all work well together. So, yeah, it was nice to see them play. But I thought like Lucas Moura, who was playing behind them, wow, he had a really good game as well. I that was that awesome. first goal, I'm not sure if it's um, captured in, if anyone's seen the highlights, but the first goal... Tottenham score, I think he's 100% down to Lucas Moura's press. Like he wins the ball back high and then it goes to Kane who then slots it across for Bale, but it wouldn't have been there without the pace and press of Lucas Moura. Yeah. So at what point do you take your back your comments about Gareth Bale? Which one? I've made a number. Quite <laughs> um Yeah, about him um, being an overpriced golfer, um, him having no future in the Premier League and what has he ever really done at Real Madrid, I think you oh, said. he's got a double against Palace, mate. Settle down. Um, so just a quick ladder update to Tottenham. Yep, still in seventh. So um, you've got a while to go, Gareth, to win my affection again, but it is good to see him smiling and that combination with Harry Kane, like just looking very good. Um I do want to touch on Christian Benteke's header. Oh, <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. What a B. And that's, a, that's the annoying thing about him. He's so, like, he can do that. And look how strong that um, that header was. And, it, like, it's not as if it's the greatest ball ever and all you've got to do is stick his head on it. Like, it's a slightly behind him. He's got enough strength to um, hold off um, Toby and, yeah, sort of lean back and put in the top corner. Holy so, shit. Yeah, it was, honestly, great it was like a shot off a foot. Like, it was that good. Yeah. So powerful, so strong, right in the top corner. But isn't that annoying that he's got that in the locker and you just hardly, hardly ever see it until you almost forget about him and then he does it again? Yeah, it's frustrating. I think Palace would be a difficult place to play if you're a striker like him, like because you're you're just there to, you want to be there to finish, but they don't create a whole lot of chances. And most chance they have is like Zaha doing something by himself, 
four easy, um, less so I would. But that wasn't the best goal of the game, so Tottenham saved the best for last. Um, I was absolutely stunned by the quality of that fourth goal from Tottenham. Like Lamella with the chip pass goes over the head of Ward and then Sun volleys it back across to Harry Kane. Honestly, it looked like like a train. One of the goals people score at training, it's like a bunch of things that happen that shouldn't have and then it goes in that's just beautiful. Yeah. But, I mean, Harry's scored two crackers. Mm-hmm. Even even his other goal was unbelievable, whipped into the top bins. Yeah, that that front four, like and, and Lamella as well is like high quality. But when they put it together, they're just like that was unstoppable. That piece of play, that was beautiful. Uh, they, they look good. They're, they're on the march, and and as you say, they're into seventh and, and over Liverpool. So I think yeah, they've got a genuine shot at uh, a top four. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think Jose's turned around a little bit. I know there was quite a lot. Um, like we were one who was saying, look, yeah, look, you see these Jose sort of um, areas going on and it's generally done and curtains from there. But he seems to have turned around, so now they need to keep pushing him to the Champions League. They, um, so he gets a lot of stick about not playing like this very attacking football, but they have scored the, what is it, the fourth or third most amount of goals in the Prem. So, a lot of them came against yeah. Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, five of them, wasn't it? But, yeah, no, top Spurs look good, three in a row now, and, um, yeah, on the march they look good. Yep, so next one, Chelsea 2, Everton 0, Tuchel's boys march on again. They are looking yeah. very good, aren't they? Tuchel's still undefeated since he come to the club. Yeah, and they've already gone past Manchester United too, so I don't know who's going to beat them. Um, and, and look at the amount of changes he made in this game too. Hmm. He's he brought Alonso in and Chilwell out. Kurt Zuma has come in um, for Christensen. Kai Havertz came in. Hudson and Doy come back in. So, yeah, he's just making all these changes and they just keep going the way they're going. They look good. Yeah, I thought Everton were a chance in this game, but, um, yeah, Chelsea were just just a class above. Um, Everton only mustered one shot on target for the entire game, but I thought Chelsea looked very comfortable. Once Godfrey got the own goal, Jorginho Penn, they, they were never really um, tested in this game. Yeah, um, what do you think of the pen? Kai Havertz um, got fouled. You happy with that pen? Happy enough, yeah. Yeah, not, not really any arguments there. Um, I don't think we'll see many arguments from the Everton players either. Yeah, what does that mean for Everton? Does that? So I think it probably like points wise, it doesn't you know destroy their chances, but I think it, it's probably um, like just a punch to their confidence about how they thought they could have got in the top four, and then they run into you know a red hot um, Chelsea, and yeah, they go, well, actually, there is a little bit, still a little bit of a gap between the top four and us. Yeah, I think I think so. I think, but I think that's like this is their level, like where they are right now. Yeah. Feels about right where they should be beating most teams, but when they come up against Chelsea, like they're not they're not on that level, and that that yeah. was abundant from the kickoff yesterday. Yeah, the Moyes old days, I like to call them. Yeah, <laughs> they've got a, a more um, more cultured manager in place now, but one who is sitting below David. Debatable. All right, so Chelsea go up to fourth. They're my tip to finish second and Everton in sixth. Um, let's move on to the other team who's had quite impressive season. So Everton, uh, sorry, Everton. West Ham two, Leeds United one. Did this result surprise you at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think I tipped West Ham to get it done at home. Um, and, yeah, I thought they were good value for the – Three points. At the end of the game, interestingly, Bielsa said that uh, we dominated the game for 60 minutes and scored no goals. They only dominated the game for 30 minutes but scored two. Well, Marco, (laughs) how the game works, buddy. You should know that you've been involved in the game for like 70 years. Um, But like West Ham again, I think Marco Bielsa says that, but I think we're all used to Leeds playing style, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in control of the game. I don't think anyone's in control of a Leeds game. Um, I think it's an absolute free-for-all. But Jalen's in the goals again, mate. You said he was just a brand. Now he's the Premier League's form player. No, I, I thought he um, he took the penalty well. Oh, no, hang on, he's missed it and then got to tap him. Um, does that count as a goal from yeah. open play? Yeah, I suppose that does count. That's yeah. what Bruno but, Fernandes um, needs to do to lift the count. Interestingly, the other week... Um, him and Declan Rice, not having a back and forth, but Jalen's wanted to take the pins and pens and Declan Rice said, no, no, they're mine. Um, Declan Rice took it and scored. They had a laugh about it after. So my G chat, which is above your head. Mm. Um, 
And then this week, Jaylings got to take it and, and miss. But yeah, as you say, got the follow up. And um, that's a goal from open play. So um, was it six goals in four games or four goals in six games? Like four and like six. Just, four just and six, yeah. Calm yourself. The other thing to mention is um, Mark Noble announced his retirement at the end of the year too. So after 16 or 18 years, I think it is, at uh, West Ham, he's hanging out the boots. I think that's the end of next year, isn't it? Not the end of this season. No, I think it's the end of this season, mate. Shit. Might have to put together some sort of parade. I like Mark Noble. He's a good, honest footballer. Um, mm. But West Ham weren't done after Jalen's goal. So Craig Dawson, another player who has really stood up in the last couple of weeks with a big diving header from a Cresswell corner. That was a, such a good ball. Like, he couldn't miss that. Yeah. Um, great header and another set play issue for oh, Leeds. Thank that God he's got to continue. But, um, like, here's one for you. Like, how well has Cresswell played this year? Um and yeah, he doesn't get shouted every week for or for the um, England squad. Whereas Luke Shaw puts one game together and scores a goal, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's the greatest left back of all time." So <laughs> yeah, I think um, everyone needs to slow their roll on on uh, Luke Shaw. But yeah, great ball in by Creswell and a nice header from Dawson. What is Dawson doing with that hairline? Should he give up and shave it? Uh, yeah, he should. But I would. I think the bigger problem there was Leeds's. Um, liberal attitude towards like physical contact and marking. I can't remember who it was. I think it might be Mourinho when he's talking about marking in the box and he's like, you need to be a bastard. And like Craig Dawson goes through untouched past two players, like Fred. I, I am absolutely disgusted by that. Like at least put yeah. some contact on him. Like make it hard for him. Uh, Leeds conceded a goal last week from um, a set play as well. I think it was he just ran off Bamford. And, yeah, Bamford's their number nine, their big guy. And um, I can't remember who it was, which is annoying me. But, yeah, he just ran off Bamford and scored a header and Bamford's just sort of turned around throwing his arms up. And I'm like, he's your man, Bamford. Like, yeah. do something. He got, he, like, and he was nowhere near him too. And I know Bamford's a striker, but it was really annoying to watch. And then Bamford had the audacity to miss a really good chance in the second half as well. Yeah. Well, he's a bit streaky, isn't he, Bamford? Mm. He'll he'll score you a goal and then get your handful and then all of a sudden he'll go quiet again. So, yeah, interesting. He's got got to do better in that respect. I think Leeds have to do better in that respect. Like they're not going to – they look like they've, you know, kept themselves up, but they just have to tidy up those one percenters um, if they want to be serious about competing. Mm, Yep, agreed. And I think if they haven't – you know, if they can tighten that up, they can have a real crack at sort of the top, top six, top eight. Um, because they're, they're not far off now and look how shambles they are at defending. So, yeah, I just think it, it seems obvious one thing that they need to work on. But that's it's a good time for West Ham to a clean shit against Leeds United, who are one of the better attacking sides in the competition, is a real um, feather in the hat for uh, David Moyes and Declan Rice, who Moyes, he said this week, he said $100 is not enough for Declan. Wow. Yeah, so if you want to get him out there, then you're going to have to start spending that Man City, Manchester United type money. So I feel as though someone lobbed in. The other way. I feel as though someone. I feel as though someone lobbed in a ninety million pound bid for Declan Rice that um, the West Ham board would say yes, you can have him. So yeah, right. I, I don't know. Jay, the if Jesse Lingard keeps scoring at the rate he keeps scoring, there might be a bit of a swap deal even. Um, for Lingard and Rice, that seems about fair. But that's the review. So we've got one game tomorrow in the morning, Man City, Southampton. Who do you like in this one? Obviously, Man City, a bit of a slump. Um, they've lost one in a row. Um, Southampton, they're in the winner's circle. So do you reckon they'll start favourites? I don't think they'll start favourites. And I kind of fear for Southampton. <laughs> you know, when Man City get beaten and they just grab hold of the next team and just, yeah, really batter them. Um, it's at home for Man City as well. So I don't think Southampton are going to see much of the ball. And I, I honestly think this one could be a blowout. Yeah. So City, um, if you're worried, or if there are any City fans out there, and I don't think there is, um, if you're worried, you've got Southampton and Fulham next up. So um, I wouldn't be too worried about starting a bit of a win streak and then. Um, then you go to Leicester City. But, yeah, I think we've got a couple of games there. But, look, let's move on. So it's been a massive morning this morning. So have we – someone suggested this morning, actually, that we've reached the end of the Ronaldo era. Is that true? With Porto oh. knocking them out on away goals. No, nah, that, that's a bit much, don't you think? I think it's going to take more than that to um, bring the – the end of an era for Ronaldo. But it, it is sad to see him go. Yeah. 
he was, and he, it was disappointing in both legs. I think. Um, I like. I think if if um, Juve were going to sort of get on the front foot and turn this tie around, what um, what really needed to happen was um, Morata's header really early on from a great delivery um, from the right hand side. I think that needed to go in, and I think the tie could have really turned from there. But straight to the keeper, and then yeah, things went very much the other way. So I want to go. I want to go back to the start of this game. So Demuro gives away a penalty, and I'm I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that being a penalty. It seemed very, very, very soft for me. Like a ball comes across from the box, and like he he's not he's a, a bit clumsy, but I don't think it's a penalty. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you to the extent that um, like that's a 2010 opinion, but I think where we are now, that, that's a penalty all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you think? Like we said that a few times on the pod, we we're like, yeah. oh, like that's not a pen, but in the new world, that is a pen. So yeah, that's not outrageous to see given anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it was just it was hard to like in a Champions League semi final. It's hard to see something like that. And you're like this could potentially decide a game. Um, quarters, and, yeah, quarters. And I was like, it just it just doesn't seem like fair that that could potentially decide a game. But there was obviously so much more to come in this game. So Sergio Oliveira tucks the penalty home. But then Juve fight back. Chiesa with a nice finish from a Ronaldo layoff. Great. So, like, that's a cobweb cleaner. Great goal. Mm. And then he gets a header. So, bang, ties change completely. Juve in the driver's seat. Um, but they just couldn't find that last goal. They could not find a way to win this game. And normally that's where you see um, Ronnie. No, no, that's, that's the whole game. Games. Yeah. yeah, so was I. So I'm watching it going, oh, it's okay. They've got Ronaldo, and he normally steps up in this situation. But yeah, we didn't see um, anything from him, really. He didn't even have that many chances, I think. Uh, yeah, Juve, Juve weren't particularly creative. And I don't know, like with the type of players they had out on the pitch, I thought we'd see a little bit more incision from them. Like um, from the, you know, you've got, oh, sorry, in this time, there's been a red card. So you've got Rabio, Artur, Chiesa, of course, Aaron Ramrod. Um, Morata and Ronaldo, but they just didn't have that incision that like a team with that much quality should have. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and I think it's it's unfortunate to see Ronaldo go out, um, especially like Porto down to ten men as well. Mm. Like there was a great chance that um, to you know if you got a man extra, you're at home, um, you can really swing the tie. But uh, like even in extra time, like they didn't really. I didn't think they were that dangerous or that ambitious either. They, I felt like they weren't particularly ambitious until they got scored against. And then we started seeing some ambition. Um, but uh, the free kick, so who's to blame or is it just everyone's to blame? There's so many players involved in that shit show that um, you can't really single out one person. I think it's Chesney's fault. He shouldn't concede from there. But a lot of the blame's being put under Ronaldo for turning his back and jumping. Yeah, but the whole wall did that. So I think I, I don't blame Chesney at all. I think you're going to be sighted late and you expect your wall to be able to take one in the face if need be. So I can't understand why you would jump and turn your back inside a wall. Like you're in the wall. Your job is to take the ball in the face. If the ball hits you in the face, which keeps you inside the Champions League, then so be it. Like mm. I just can't understand why um, on oh, – I hate saying this, but on these type of wages, in these type of situations where it's – you know, do or die, and it means everything to these these players and these clubs financially. How come you can't just take a ball to the face? Do you know what I mean? Like, that, as soon as you step oh, inside you the ball, like, are you calling a young person a snowflake? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, Ronaldo's <laughs> all in both of us, though. No, um, but yeah, I just can't understand why he wouldn't want to take one in the face for his club. Why you would turn and cower like that is. Beyond me, I think as soon as you step inside the wall, that is your job to take it. So take it. But yeah, it, as you say, they all jumped and ran underneath them. And from there, I don't think Chesney's to blame at all. He gets a, he gets a big hand to about Chesney. Like oh, I felt like he should have kept that out. He got such a hand to it, and it was twenty five yards out on the deck. Like anyway, so Juve got um, got one back through Rabio. I think that was a header he didn't know too much about, um, but it looked very good. Um, but it wasn't enough, and Juve are out. Ronaldo done in the Champions League. Yeah, so they win this game 3-2 and the um, tie finishes 4-all and so Porto go through on away goals. And it's a round of it's a round of 16. So you said you said semi-finals and in my head I'm like there's no way it's semi-finals. It has to be at least 
has to be quarters, can't be semis. But no, it's round of 16, mate. So can't call your Jets. Yeah, sorry, mate. I'm just a bit overexcited. So um, does your boy Perlo get the sack this week or do they wait till the end of the year to sack him? Oh, they wait till the end of the year and then they sack him. He's 10 points off in the league as well. I think they might pull the trigger as soon as they feel they can't win the league anymore. Wow. Well, they're ambitious then because they're outside the Champions League, 10 points behind. I think if he was going to get sacked, he would have been sacked already. Yeah, he's, he's the um, Italian Frank Lampard. But let's move on to the other side. Dortmund 2, Sevilla 2. We, I think we both agreed this was going to be um, a cracking tie um, before Dortmund, had, like as in, in the first league. We said this would be mm. a really good fixture to watch, and it did not disappoint, did it? This was the Harlan show. The Harlan show, but I, like to be fair, I think the, the tie was probably done, and I'm surprised that Sevilla did so well in this in this fixture. Like I think going because so, Dortmund got the result they got away from home. I think once they were home, I was expecting you know it, Dortmund to, to dominate. So I think Sevilla did well and put up a good fight, but um, yeah, Dortmund too strong over the two two legs. And Hallan again. How many goals he scored this year in the Champions League? Has he got fourteen? Is that right? I, I thought it was fourteen. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, they took the lead first half. So um, nice little play around the back there. Royce charging into the penalty area and then slips in Harland, who makes no mistake from there. So great first, great start for the big man. Thirty fifth minute. Yep. Thirty fifth minute, but then they had a goal disallowed. Could have been another one for Harland. Yeah, well, I don't think he's going to be too disappointed, is he? Still got his double. No. But, yeah, he's still got his double. So the goal is allowed, but they still get the penalty. And then the penalty, there was a bit going on here, wasn't there? Eventful. And um, I think he's probably scored, from memory, he's probably scored four or five penalties in the Champions League this year as well. Yeah, not quite good enough for the Indes numbers. You got, one, you got one in the first, um, first fixture against these two, I think. Yeah, so um, obviously Harlan takes the penalty. It's saved by the severe keeper, um, and he gives Harlan absolute god for which you like to see from a keeper. But like with these players, particularly okay. these like those higher class players, like if you're going to give someone a mouthful, you need to be very careful because a player like Harlan will come back and probably score later. Um, and he's he did. Gone. It was only a couple he's of minutes gone. later. He's gone too early there, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And especially with the VAR checks nowadays, like you just have to wait it out. Like wait till the end of the game. And then, but then I suppose you miss the emotion. But, yeah, so um, the penalty gets retaken. Harlan tugs it home and he gives him an absolute gobful. And the Sevilla players like half reacted, but Harlan was like running off in celebration and didn't realise they were chasing him. Um, it's quite comical to see, but he pulled up, gets his double. He's over the moon. Yeah, so like a weird run of events. So Harlan scores, the goal gets ruled out for a foul, as you say, earlier in the game, but then um, a penalty is awarded um, for a foul on him. Then Harlan misses the penalty, but then the keeper's off the line. Then he retakes it, and then Harlan scores the penalty that's retaken. Yeah, it gives him a bit of attitude. But Sevilla weren't done, were they? They found a way back into the game, and I really enjoyed the second penalty from Nesri. He smashed that in off the bar. Yusef. Brave. Yeah, absolutely hammered that in off the bar. Um, and then it was a bit of back and forth for a little while. And then, like, like it was just a little moment at the end there. El Nesri, that was an absolutely cracking header into the top corner again. Like, I do love a good header. Did you think there were any chance at this point? Mm, nah, too little, too late for me. I was I was quite excited, but um, yeah. So Dortmund go through great result. Harlan in the form he's in, he could prove a real X factor in these last couple of games, couldn't he? This one finished two two, and um, Dortmund went through five four on aggregate. And yeah, I think Harlan looks like the the man to propel Dortmund forward. Um, no matter who they draw, I think they are not going to be excited about going against Harlan. So when is he moving? When does he go to Man City? Uh, I reckon this summer. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I just can't. I, you just can't wait. Like, I think it's a good time. Dortmund will see it as, like, the best chance to cash in because he's not going to – like, he's good, but he's not going to score at a rate better than he is right now. No, agreed. Okay, so let's look forward to tomorrow. So we have PSG 4, Barcelona 1 at the end of the first leg. So PSG at home now against Barcelona. What do you see coming in this fixture? So it was 4-1 in the first leg. I think we're going to see much the same. 
But do you remember yes, I know. a I similar remember. result several years ago against a much better Barcelona team? I think it was a 5-2 in the first leg, so it was even worse, yeah. Yeah, and they were absolutely electric in the first league, PSG, um, in that particular occasion, and they sort of turned it on the last bit here. But I just don't think this Barca team is the same as that one. Yeah, agreed. Barcelona, they, ha- they have it in them, but I-, I just can't see it happening in this fixture. I think, but yeah, PSG will um, take control of this fixture, especially being at home, and I sh- should think that that will see them through. All right. I think, uh, will on. Mbappe outscore Haaland over the two legs? That's the big question. No, he won't. Um, all right, so move on to the next one. So we've got Liverpool um, who rested a few players this week in the Prem um, against at home against uh, Leipzig and Liverpool taking a 2-0 lead into this tie. Yeah, so Liverpool have never been eliminated from a UEFA competition after winning away from home in the first leg. Having said that, their last six games at home they've lost. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll be, they'll be glad to get back to Anfield, I'm sure. I think they'll be glad to be out of the Premier League, to be honest. Um, just seems to be a bit of a pressure cooker for them right now. Yeah, look, this is a very enticing fixture, isn't it? Um, I Obviously, RB Leipzig, um, they're going okay in the Bundesliga, obviously trailing Bayern Munich because I think that's basically a medal in itself to finish second, but only two points off. Form's been great in the league. Um, this one was a bit of blotting the copybook, this loss against Liverpool. I actually fancy him to win this game. What do you think? So you, so you fancy Liverpool to win the game or Leipzig? I fancy know? Leipzig to win this game. Yeah, do you fancy him to win the tie though? So yeah, gonna, no, I didn't really want to answer that question. That's, You're a coward, mate. <laughs> I answered that in the way that I did for a reason. Um, I think so, yeah. I think so. Okay, so um, yeah, although it's 2-0, I just, you just can't trust Liverpool at the moment, especially at home. So I think um, RB will get a result in this tie, but I think the two goals just, yeah, surely Liverpool can get through if they can sneak through. So, yeah, I, I'm going for Liverpool, but um, not with a lot of confidence, and I do not trust them one bit. Yeah, I think RB Leipzig's recent form um, has been like what, one, two, three, four, five. Like they've won their last seven outside that Liverpool game. Um, and like Liverpool, like there was a couple of mistakes in there from RB. Like Liverpool didn't necessarily play particularly well. Um, so I think RB can turn it around. They've shown they can turn it around against Manchester United, um, uh, previously against English opposition. So I think they're going to do enough to go through here. All right, that will be interesting. So let's go on to the B League, um, the Europa. So are there any particular fixtures that we need to cover here, obviously, Manchester United at home versus Milan is probably the pick of the first pie of the round of 16. Yeah, so I I, um, I think this will be pretty straightforward or should be pretty straightforward for Manchester United. Um, got a full-strength team, I think, except for Paul Pogba. Milan have been stuttering in the league of late and um, aren't showing too much promise in Europe either. Injury to Zlatan Ibrahimovic hurts them a lot. I think Manchester United will um, beat Milan here quite comfortably. What do you think? Mm, I don't know about quite comfortably, but I think they will they should be able to beat them in the form that they're in now. I'm probably not brave enough to say what's going to happen over both legs because the other one's just um, a little bit too far away and who knows what's going to happen now. But I think, yeah, since they're lining up against each other right now, I think you can't not tip Manchester United going into this fixture. Interesting to see what uh, Bron Bron says about uh, Zlatan after this game as well. So Manchester United in the first leg for me. All right, so give me a quick tour here and tell me who you tip. Dinamo, Kiev and VRL, who do you like? Uh, Kiev. Okay, that's at home too, so that would be a tricky one. So yeah. Ajax, Ajax and Young Boys, who do you like here? Do you fancy Young Boys? <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Um, no, I'm, I've got Ajax in this um, and quite comfortably. What are you thinking? Um, yeah, I think Ajax will win as well. Um, all right, what about Slavia Prague, the conquerors of Leicester City versus the mighty Steven Gerrard-led Rangers? Rangers will get it done here and I hope Slavia get battered. What do you think? I think Suchek will be on the phone again. I think they'll do Rangers here. Okay. Um, okay, Olympiacos, Arsenal. Olympiacos, um, just because it will be banter to see Arsenal fan TV the next day. Who have you got? Uh, I actually think Arsenal will win this one. I think they they need to start showing some form in Europe because their their league form is not going to get them into Europe. 
Uh, we'll see. Granada, Granada Mulder. Who do you like? That? Avoid this oh, picture. Geez, that's one to be missed, isn't it? Um, Granada, I think. <laughs> how, how did Mulder get this far? Still in. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's still in. Um, yeah, so okay, so Tottenham, Tottenham, Dynamo, Zagreb. Or oh, Spurs. You can't go past them at the moment. They're, they're too hot. They're too hot. And will we see Dali Alley? Yes or no? Oh, I think we will. I think we will. I would love to see Deli Alley and the front four. Wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah, jeez. That'd be worth watching. We haven't um, have changed the name to the big six, not the big four. <laughs> um, and then last one. This is probably the pick of the bunch, I think. Um, Roma, Shakhtar, Donetsk. Uh, Shakhtar for me. I think they've got, they've got too much for, for Roma going forward. I think, um, yeah, Roma just been a bit underwhelming, I think. And I think Shakhtar will have... Just probably too much speed going forward. Who are you mm. got? So Ro- Roma up to fourth in the Serie A. I'm going to tip Roma for this one. I think they should have enough in the tank. Really? There are a number of creative Brazilians um, within the Shakhtar, Shakhtar. side. Yeah. But um, I think there's enough in there from Roma, um, like Pedro, Farone. Um, they do have good players. Bruno Perez is another one. So they do have some potential and they should have enough. Like a Serie A top four team should be able to beat the Ukrainian premiers, I think. Well, we'll see if that is true. All right, so that is the U- end of the Europa. So we've got um, Don Juan's multi. So, oh, geez, he stunk the joint up here. So he had, I think he had Arsenal, he had Man City, he had Liverpool, and he had Spurs. So he got one out of four. So, yeah, I mean, you fire him because I, I can't, I don't have the heart to tell him. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> we were out of that so early. As well, that was the most disappointing thing. Like it was, yeah. That at least, at least if you had some hope, yeah. As you say, yeah. Uh, all we need is hope, but that was disgraceful. So, look, if you want to get in touch with the show, email us at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook football played on paper, Instagram at football on paper, and Twitter is at football on pods. And your OnlyFans, are you giving that out yet or not? No. <laughs> and uh, wait till the end of the season for that one. Um, this isn't the platform for that either, but we will get there one day. All right, see ya. All the best.